Is oh. this on? It's on, on now. On? We're on. We're okay. On. If you ever wanted to see a version of Romeo and Juliet set in the 1980s in the Valley where no one quite knows what punk music is? Well, we watched Valley Girl and it fits all of your specifications. What do you say we cut the chit chat a hole? I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Interesting choice of words. What is that? What is that? What is that? Oh, no, not the beach! Not the beach! Oh! <laughs> oh my God. I have a pixie pair! <laughs> okay, let's run. This is The Unbearable Fate of Massive Talent with Brittany Green and Liz Kurtzman, and let's get let's get down to business. Let's talk. So, did you know about this movie before? No, you you told me about it, because um, we we talked about just going back to the beginning, back, back to, to the beginning. Cage, one point um, to his first movie where he's credited as Nick Cage and is in like a starring role. Yep. Uh, which you know is this film and looking it up, never seen it before, obviously, but this is one of both Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino's. Favorite movies. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's really. I I thought it was a lot of fun. It's you very wouldn't fun. guess that based on what movies those two men make it, though. This is why it's so wild to me is that it was those two that were specifically like I love this movie. Just Kevin like, Smith, when his wife went into labor, he brought this movie to the hospital for them to oh, watch. That's cute. Which is very cute. It is um, a very cute movie, and so I think it's actually kind of sweet. Yeah. That he would, like, have this movie be the movie that he wants to watch with his wife while yes. she's, like, in labor. It's it's a weird movie, but also, like, very sweet. Yeah. Almost, I would say, almost too, too pure. Very which pure. Which we'll get into, because, yeah, we'll get into. I don't know if there's enough conflict in this film. No, probably not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I... Just like you said, I thought we should do this movie because we just did Nicolas Cage's two most recent movies, and but this was this was my first. I didn't know anything about this movie really, Mm-mm. except for that it existed, I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, but it's really you know classic rom com, very cute. It's very eight. I mean, it's very eighties in every possible way. But one of the things I was thinking was you know the eighties and early nineties loved a valley girl like they loved the valley girl aesthetic the character and i don't what's like the modern equivalent of a valley girl e-girls but we don't have like movies and stuff about them not yet not yet (laughs) (laughs) wait until gen z is making films and they're like an e-girl Falls in love with the Jack Boy or whatever the, <laughs> whatever I, to the be opposite fair, is. I haven't seen that many rom-coms. It's not really my genre. Um, but, you know, this movie might have changed my mind. Maybe I need to watch more rom-coms because this is cute. Yeah. Um, we are doing a rom-com series, I think, for the next couple of movies yes. at least. Uh, yeah. Which will be fun. Although we'll definitely be taking a break to do The Incredible Weight of Massive Talent as it, soon as we possibly can. Absolutely. It's what the people want. It's right there in the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And this movie, so this movie, when it starts, I mean, you immediately get the vibe that you're in for. It's a a montage with this poppy sort of music over it. Mm -hmm. We have a shopping montage of all the Valley girls buying stuff. (laughs) 
them rubbing credit cards, which was very funny. Rubbing credit cards. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, like, our first, like, actual scene, they're in the food court of a mall, which immediately made me think of the SNL sketch with Chris Farley and uh, I think Mike Myers and, like, maybe... Dana Carvey and Adam Sandler definitely, and they all dress up like. Uh, do you have you seen this one? Which one is it? It's like... it's it's a sketch with all you know like the classic early '90s SNL yeah. men dressed up like women. Coffee talk? No, oh, they're okay. in a mall in a food court. I don't think court, I've seen that one. And there's they like do kind of like the classic like making fun of Chris Farley because he's fat kind Aww. of a thing, which is kind of sad. I um, thought. See, I went to SNL, but to the Californians. Well, that Sketch. too. Much more modern, especially with the inclusion of a guy that looks just like Will Forte. <laughs> the, like, evil jock boy in this. I don't even know if he's a jock. He's just a preppy boy. Is He looks like Will Forte in his Californian's, like, wig. Oh, um, it's such bad hair. It's so bad. And he's so bad. It's nothing, nothing redeeming about Tommy. <laughs> From his popped collar to his uh, negging, we... It, me and my homies hate Tommy. <laughs> By what you mean, you and I hate yeah. Tommy? You're, Am you're I my homies? homies. <laughs> Your homies. Homies, plural. Just you and my cat. <laughs> B also hates... B is the uh, honorary third member, third host of this podcast. She's yeah. always present. She's I don't the know. silent host. She's yeah. our silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to be silent when you're on a podcast. Maybe you'll hear her eventually. Yeah, um... So, yeah, we, we open at the shopping mall, and I mean, like, I started keeping track of my favorite words and expressions that the Valley Girls used in this film, and some of, I'll read off the whole list that I wrote down, so, because it starts in this scene with gag me, um, and then we've got bitchin' is a favorite one, when she breaks up with Tommy, he goes, I won't be bummed, um, which was an amazing response, <laughs> uh, they call people they don't like pew coins, Pukoid is really good. <laughs> Pukoid we should bring back. Yeah. I feel like, so, bitchin' was definitely something that, like, me and my friends used. Oh, yeah. Uh, and... That, I was almost... That one I was just surprised to see used because that was something we used, sort of ironically, but... Mm-hmm. Um, well, was... and a lot of the fashions from this movie are definitely in right oh, now. Oh, they're back in. Like, a lot of the hairstyles, I feel like, are definitely back in. Like, the in. wolf cut is like just the, the 80s, cut, like... like kind of like a little bit of, like, the mullity kind yeah. of thing. Absolutely. Um, and there was, like, several outfits in this movie that yeah. I was like, I would wear that right now. Mm-hmm. I would wear that Oh, there were a couple day. times when we went, okay, no, that's good. That's a good look. Um, also, we should say that we had to turn on... <laughs> We had to turn on subtitles. Oh, immediately. Because in the mall scene when they're talking, they're, they're, it's like another language. I, I looked at Brittany and I was like, do you, can we turn on the subtitles? Because I could not understand what they were saying at all. Um, which like also they're laying it on really thick in that scene. Yeah. I feel like they laid it on the thickest in the intro scene. Absolutely. They were like, we're in a mall. Look at how shallow these girls are. They're shopping for stuff. Look at how they talk. And after that, like, they still do some, they still say some wild stuff, but, like, it it becomes a little more normal. Um, Some more phrases that I loved. Tubular. Tubular's great. Tubular. Tubular, um, which I wrote twice. (laughs) Uh, Grody and gnarly. Everything's grody. Everything was grody. Like, grody to the max. He's just so grody. 
Um, and then uh, the other thing that I had to point out was that our main girl, Julie, who's there with her friends, Lauren, Susie, and... She had too many friends. She had too many friends, and they were all... I don't remember the The important friend. ones are Lauren and Susie. And then Stacy? Stacy is the one who later on she drags with her. Yeah, Stacy's... We don't... Stacy's we'll whatever. Talk, we yeah. can talk about Stacy. Um, but Julie is wearing a Woody woodpecker pin. There's, like, another friend, too, right? <laughs> I couldn't there tell you. There was another one who looked just... Maybe that was Susie. I think it might have been Susie. Uh, Susie and Stacy looked so alike. Yeah. Lauren is, is the only one that was, like, very... She had her own personality. She looked very different from the rest. And Lauren her, was, like, very sweet. And yeah. And we both wanted, decided that we were Team Lauren, for We're Team sure. Lauren. Justice for Lauren for this film. Justice for Lauren. Um, but I think the Woody Woodpecker pin is you point. I had to point it out, and then later on we were like, "Oh, Nick Cage looks, also looks like looks Woody like Woodpecker. Woody Pe- that's, <laughs> that's why, why she, she likes him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. She has a type. Yeah, because he's got full like flock of seagulls hair for the yes, whole movie. He does. Uh, it's incredible. It's very coxcomb, like red. It's it's wonderful. Um, she breaks uh, up with Tommy because he's boring. She says they they like pass each other on the escalator <laughs> and she says he tries to talk to her and she's like pissed at him and she says I'm like totally not in love with you anymore Tommy it's so boring <laughs> and uh, that was my favorite like that's my favorite breakup I've ever seen oh my seen. god yeah well cause the weird thing just from like a writer's point of view um cause she Tommy was talking Tommy sucks like, Tommy does suck and like he's a bully and we find this out later on that he's a bully and he gaslights people and he, he's mean and so she could have broken up with him for that reason, but the writers had her break up with him because he's boring. And that was sort of a weird choice because it sort of put me off Julie at first. Yeah. So well, I Well, she know. was basically shopping for other dudes while they were sitting in the mall food yeah. court because well, she was so bored with Tommy and they've been together for like forever. Yeah. And... Well, it felt like in this first scene in the mall, they were trying to make her super shallow and valley girl. And then that wasn't her character for most, most of, the, of the film until we came back at the end again. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that was just it. not. It was just strange. It was a strange choice. It was. <laughs> to be fair, I believe when I was 14, I broke up with a boyfriend because I thought he was boring. Oh, it absolutely fits um, it, for a teenage girl to do that. Yeah. And it's a, you, I validate anyone for breaking up for, with people because they're boring. That's a good reason. It is a good reason. Um, I just feel like she could have broken up with him for being an asshole. He was definitely an <laughs> asshole. That would have fit. Yep. Um, she could have been like, I don't like your popped collars. Because he popped every, every collar. collar. He walked into a room and every collar in the room popped, I think, from his presence. I really want to, like, watch this movie with my parents, who are <laughs> roughly the age of these people in yes. this movie. So that I can ask them so many questions about what it was like to be a teenager in the mm-hmm. 80s. Because I don't get the culture. <laughs> but also, I think they're specifically trying to do this, like, Californian culture. Yeah. So we... They might not get it either. And I want to know whether... It's, you know, semi-accurate or if it's just like people who aren't from California <laughs> imagining what it's like. Because I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I'm still not recovered <laughs> from our first shot of Nicolas Cage. Oh. <laughs> it's... We, we, we did played it twice. It it was, we should have rewound this the uh, future moment also, but we were dying. Just, oh God, it was beautiful. It was incredible. They're at the beach. All the girls are just grilling out. They're just sitting there like giggling about boys and stuff. And, <laughs> and you, you hear them say, oh my God, 
What a hunk. What a hunk. And, like, mind you, up to this point, we've seen a bunch of buff dudes running around in tiny shorts. So, clearly, they're surrounded by (laughs) hunks. So, this must be a mega hunk that all of them have to pay attention to. And then the the camera goes over. And Nicolas Cage sort of, like, jogs awkwardly. He runs like a Muppet. Yes. It's not a cool run. It's not in slow motion or anything. It's like if you were making fun of a cool run. Yes. And also, I have to point out, he's got these, like, tiny shorts on, not swim trunks. Uh, He comes up over the hill, and he has what I would describe as a T-bird of of hair on his chest, like the T-bird car insignia, right on his chest. Like a weird triangle. triangle. (laughs) But they're all like, that's the hottest man we've ever seen. Look at this, hunk. And, like, there's a certain charm to this gangly man, but I don't know that you would... You know. Look at him without context of like his personality and everything and be like, what a hunk. Although I feel like an activity that I should do is look through my high school yearbook at the people who I Ooh. thought was a hunk back in high school. Oh no. <laughs> and I feel like I might reevaluate my stance on yeah. young Nicolas Cage if I were to do such a thing. That's fair. I mean... That would be a real, real eye-opening experience to look back at your ex-crushes. Who was hunky when I was in high school? I had a crush on this man? No. On this tiny boy? No. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. So I can understand it, but it is still very funny. Yes. As a 31-year-old person to be watching. Hearing them, like, build up. The, the thing the is build mostly up. the build-up and then the cut to him. Yeah, like, this is not a judgment on try- Nicolas Cage like, as a person no, or, like, his appearance at all. But Just like, a just, man trying to run on sand, which we have all done and we all know is hard. And running <laughs> on sand is really hard. And sometimes you look real stupid when you're doing it. Yep, no shame. I would look equally <laughs> stupid, if not more stupid, trying to run uphill on sand. Absolutely. However... To hear these girls thirsting over gangly Nicolas Cage running like a Muppet over the sand was very funny. (laughs) Another important thing that happens here is that we've got a couple of the friends at a um, concession stand talking about this party that they're going to go to that night. They give out the address. The one girl tells the other girl the address. Mm -hmm. And our our friend Fred is in line behind them. Fred is Nicolas Cage, a.k.a. Randy's best friend. Yes. And we don't know this yet. He seems like a real creep in this scene because he hears them say the address. And then he tells Nicolas Cage, we're going to go to this party tonight. And I went, oh, to a stranger's house? What? (laughs) It's high school. I guess. I've heard of people doing it. I didn't. Did you go to parties in high school? Uh, not cool ones, no. Well, I don't know that my school had... Uh, anyone listening to this podcast that went to high school with me is probably going to be like, there were cool parties, you just weren't there, Liz. You weren't invited. <laughs> um, but I think I went to a very small school. So also they're like in a city, so maybe stuff like this happened. To be fair, I don't know how cool this party was because there definitely were parents there. Yes, it was... Well, I could talk about this party for hours. We were so we kind of ho- hoping that this whole movie was only going to take place in this party. It seemed like it would. It was half an hour of the movie. Um, but before we get to that, I want to talk real quick about her parents. The oh, plant yes. parents. The the hippie parents. Yes. Because I, I loved them. But also what, again, from a writer's standpoint, what a strange choice. It was a very strange choice. And I should say, too, we did verify that most of the people who played parents in this movie were at least 10 years older than the kids, which is, like, pretty good for Hollywood, I guess. Mm-hmm. But none of them looked different to well, me the dad. than 
The dad had a mustache, and that's the dad. It. We said the dad could have been anywhere between thirty and fifty, um, but the mom looked the their same, age, the same age. It was very confusing when they were introduced. Um, but the, well, the weird thing with the because they are very like hippy dippy parents. They own a like health food restaurant. Their house is filled with plants and I don't, pictures of Woodstock, and they play like. Um, it sounds like those CDs that they would play in, like, Walmart that were, like, cultural music or, yep. like, music from around the world. Um, Just, like, sitars. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, and they're very, like, easy and, like, laid back and actually end up being really supportive and kind, which, like, for this film... They seem like film, pretty good parents. They're good parents. But for this film, it doesn't really make sense because, again, this goes back to what my issue is with the conflict, which is that there isn't one. <laughs> Because the parents, if this was a Romeo and Juliet story, they should they be would like, hate Randy. you can't go out with him. He brought you home late. You need to date like boys who are of your social standing or rich or whatever, right? But they're just like, man, if you love him, go for it. Do what you want, girl. Yeah, what makes you happy. Don't care about what people think. Um, yeah, they're just very chill and cool. Yeah. In this first scene where we meet them the dad is very creepy <laughs> the, the dad's super creepy in this scene because he says if i were 10 years 20 years younger or whatever to yeah. her friend which is a bad thing and then like we were very confused <laughs> and so they stay on the parents after every scene with the parents for too for long, too long. <laughs> but they have like a little scene i think they're just i i feel like they thought the parents were definitely going to be the comic relief of this movie which at this point i think the reason that they don't feel like comic relief to me is because the entire movie feels really dated yes because they're all using like 80s lingo yeah. and so like that is already like a weird little time capsule and then the parents are definitely using like hippie lingo mm-hmm. but for somebody who was born years after this would have taken place it all just feels like silly lingo yeah and like the fact that like the stuff that they're doing that's supposed to be super weird in the film is like in yeah like a health food store like a health food restaurant yeah we're definitely back in like normal. the health he's food he's like dad is macrameing at one point which is it's like it, you could sell that for $50 on Etsy now um, they, all the stuff they do have plants everywhere which is also super normal so for us, it's sort of, yeah, you know, oh, they're a little different, but not... This whole movie is both, wow, this is really dated, and also, wow, all of these things are back in style right yes. now. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of that. To be like, is this supposed to be a joke? Because I can't tell. Um, yeah, so we, we spend too long with, with the parents, and then we go to the party. The dad is goes to the mom, and we had a little discussion. Was he talking about the friend, or was he talking about he, their daughter? Because he goes to the mom, and he's like, uh, she looks just like you, and also, let's go fool around. Yes. And that's a little weird, because he's, he's talking like, about being she turned She looks on. more like you every day, and she, she's like, oh... Do I still look good? And he's like, you look better than ever. And I'm like, wait, so does that mean Are you saying he thinks the daughter's hot too? That's a bad thing. Yeah. And I guess that's the weird thing about being parents. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, you can say both of those things and it doesn't, you know, it's Maybe probably we keep, true. Those, those are inside thoughts. Those we are keep inside those inside. <laughs> Maybe don't say those things so close to each other <laughs> is all I'm saying. Because... Kids do look like their parents, and presumably the parents are still attracted to each other, even though their kids look like them. Yeah. I don't know. It's it was it felt weird to me. It mm-hmm. felt weird and gross to me. Yep, didn't like that. Didn't like. I didn't that like it so close to each all. other being said. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So we go to this party, which is like in this nice house that is 
Susie's house? Susie's house, because Beth is there, and Susie's her stepmom. No, Beth is Susie's stepmom. Yeah. Susie's um, house. Yes, it's Susie's house. But Lyle, who I thought was Susie's dad, is just Beth's boyfriend. And Susie's mom is dead? No, Susie's dad is dead. Susie's dad is definitely the one that's dead. They didn't bring up her mom at all. But Susie introduces her as her mom. So I think mom is... I think Susie has a tragic backstory that we don't yeah. get the full picture of. Because Susie's dad is dead. And... She lives with her stepmom, not yeah. her mom. Who doesn't seem to like her. No. She says, I've ever since her dad died, I've been in competition with her a little bit about boys, presumably, I think uh-huh. is what is in, what she's talking about, because they both have a crush on the same high school boy. Yeah, and we learn this because <laughs> this, um, Beth and Lyle are making sushi. For the party, which if I went to a party and the parents are making Who's sushi. high school party? I mean, I guess this is the valley and the people valley. are very wealthy there. I think so. that was supposed to be the like, look at how, you know, weird rich people Ugh. are. And they're putting peanut butter putting all over peanut- the sushi. Okay, so this was, in my notes, I have peanut butter sushi, question mark, and then pistachio paste because of what That's definitely supposed to be wasabi and he didn't react anyway. And it was wasabi, which I... he If you eat a big old mouthful of wasabi... You're going to be on fire. Yes. And wouldn't you know what wasabi was before you knew what pistachio paste was? Uh, I mean, maybe you just see green paste. Like, um, I still don't know the peanut butter on the sushi, though. Was that supposed to be wasabi? No, that was peanut butter. That was brown. That was, to me, red as peanut butter. Was that a thing? Somebody write to us and (laughs) tell us, is peanut butter on sushi a thing? Anyone out there who can answer this question, it's the most pressing question we have about this film. Peanut butter on sushi, question mark? Um, So anyway, they're making sushi for the party, talking about her relationship with her daughter, um, stepdaughter. And yeah, anyway, that's just the beginning of this wild party. Um... I okay, so this is a funny thing I saw when I looked up this film. So this mo- this movie is directed by Martha Coolidge, um, female director, very cool, especially in the eighties. Um, the films she was required by the film's producers to show female breasts at least four times. It was in the contract. Oh, um, and they thought it would make it more a more appealing movie for younger men. And she said sure, so she could get the directing job. And then said they didn't say how long the shots had to be, which was not smart of them. Um, so that's why we get like four brief shots of breasts. Two of them, I think, on posters. At least, I can think of at least one poster with boobs. But I can only think of two people whose breasts got shown, and it was very brief. Lauren's a little longer. We see Lauren for kind of a long time. Yeah. And then we see Susie? Susie, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't remember the third one. And then on a poster. Do we ever see... uh... I guess not. I don't think we ever see our main character... Mm -mm. um... Nope. Do we see... I don't know. We'll get to it. But anyway, obviously very brief. Um, I think some random girl in the bathroom you do see for oh, a second. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to the bathroom. We'll get to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you know what? I've got it. Random girl in the bathroom and then Samantha. Samantha. Okay. Um, Four breasts. <laughs> Four breasts. Um, <laughs> we have counted all the breasts in this movie. There were also some on posters. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, 
So, yeah, this party, it's weird. It's awkward. It's a bunch of preppy kids. Tommy is trying to make Julie jealous. Um, Julie doesn't care. Um, but Tommy does talk Lauren into going and having sex with him. Um, poor Lauren. Poor Lauren, because she's kind of like, we can't. What about Julie? And he's like, Julie broke up with me. I'm the injured party. And so then they go and have sex. And then she's like, so are we like a couple now? And he he's is like, very mean. Absolutely not. He's like, no. She's like, what is he's, this? And he literally says, you're a bad friend for having sex with me. And then leaves her there. It's really sad. It's really rough. And he says, I won't tell anybody if you don't tell. And then oh. he immediately goes and tells his friends. Yeah. You see him do it. It's really mean. The odd thing is this doesn't come back. I thought it was going to. I thought that... Julie was going to find out and then be mad at Lauren or Lauren would be like, listen, you don't want to be with Tommy because he did this mean thing. Yeah, I kind of thought that would at least have come up um, later on in the movie. You already know this is like Romeo and Juliet. So like later in the movie, like all of her friends are trying to talk her out of being with Randy, basically. And she's talking to Lauren and Lauren is like the only one of her friends who isn't trying to convince her to break up with Randy and get back with Tommy. But she's also not... But her whole thing is, like, I don't know what you should do. It's a hard situation. She's not like, you shouldn't be with Tommy. She's but she does like, always keep implying Randy... that there's, like, a third choice, which is not to be with either of them. Right. I feel like that was the unspoken implication that she was making. Could have spoke it. She could have spoke it. <laughs> could have made it a spoken that was That was what I feel like she was trying to say. Yeah, agreed. Um, but, yeah, while that's happening, um, Randy and his friend Fred show up at the party. Um... And walk in and are fish out of water. Everyone's staring oh, yeah, at them. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it's very wild. You would think that like, it was a big party. Do you think everybody knew the hosts at that party? I assume so. I think it was like all friends from their high school. It was a lot of people, though. It was a lot of people, but they all immediately knew. That they did they didn't know those two. But also, they were dressed like punks. They were dressed like punks. <laughs> Fred had so many necklaces on. So many necklaces, and they had like. Uh, colored hair Ugh. and riffraff. They were definitely riffraff. They had vests with pins. Not vests. <laughs> <laughs> um, and poor Fred. Okay, so Fred's a weirdo, but I don't, other than that first scene, he's not creepy. He's just like kind of weird. Yeah. And so he's trying to hit on women, but in like really strange ways. He walks up to a woman and goes, How's your mother? And she's like, She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a weird way to hit on somebody yeah it's not my he's first. not good at it That's he's not... not not good at it and randy's not trying at all to hit on anyone he's like i don't really want to be here this isn't our scene oh he was so mopey. everyone's so fake that here. was another really good parallel to romeo and juliet mm. because romeo is also the mopiest yes. most annoying person in the beginning of romeo and absolutely juliet. and um and so is fred is the mercutio trying to breathe some life into this poor mopey man just being like let's go and have a good time is so you know in Romeo and Juliet Juliet is not trying to get with Tybalt but is Tommy both like her betrothed Juliet's betrothed and also Tybalt in this movie I guess so yeah because Tybalt's her cousin so they they don't have any no my cat's trying to climb into my mixing bowl get Can out you know? <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, oh. we did tell you that the cat would be in this podcast eventually. <laughs> Making mistakes, learning things. Um, yeah, because Julie or Juliet doesn't have like a any sort of. I don't think she has any sort of like betrothed or anything like that because she's also like thirteen. Um, but Tybalt is the one who's like, you can't 
be with uh, Romeo and picks fights with him and things. Yeah. So he is uh, sort of Tybalt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, more of an asshole than Tybalt. Well, Tybalt is yeah. Tybalt's hot headed, but yeah. he's not just like mean. Tommy does just like immediately go for fisticuffs. Though. Yes, he does punch Ron- Randy in the face because Randy and Julia are making eyes at each other across the room. Well, they're talking even at that but, point. At that point, they were talking, but for a while, it's just them staring at each other. Hard eye contact. Hard eye contact from across the room. Weird little smiles. Fred is like, oh, what's going on? Were we hitting on these ladies? Uh, and Randy does a very funny, like, distraction uh, where he's like, that girl is definitely looking at you, so you should go talk to her. Um, so, yeah, they're <laughs> they're hitting it off, and then Tommy doesn't like that and comes in and punches Randy. Everyone drags Randy and Fred out of the party and throws them out. They get in their car. They drive away. Stop. Wait, can we talk for a second before we do that? Um, Before they drive away, we see Randy standing in, like, the sidewalk of the house, and he says something that I, like, desperately want someone to say about me now, which was, that girl Julie is truly dazzling. (laughs) And let me say... Well, she's looking through the wooden... The sparks in this movie are flying so hard. I I totally buy that these two kids are into each other. Yes. Which, the actors were, too. Um, at the time, they were, uh, very, there's rumors that they dated, unverified. Nicholas Cage has said he was definitely in love with her, and he, he wrote her poems. Um, and there's a later scene that we'll talk about this a little bit more, but there's definitely chemistry. Like, this isn't the best writing in the world, yeah. but there's chemistry there, for sure. Um, so yeah, they drive away, but they drive away, make it to some sort of cliff, stop the car, Randy gets out and yells about how unfair it is they kicked him out. And so then they get back in the car and drive back. Going back for it. <laughs> and he climbs into the bathroom window and hides in the shower oh, for so long, which is so weird and creepy. This was not <laughs> it. This was not it. This man climbs into this bathroom. He's in this, it's a, like a fogged glass shower, so you can see shapes through it. It wouldn't be an 80s movie if somebody wasn't spying on people inappropriately yeah his plan is just to wait in there until julie has to use the bathroom so he stays in there while people are coming in and using the bathroom fixing their makeup in there with their girlfriends talking about giving out hand jobs <laughs> one of my favorite quotes from the film which is one girl oh, being like so weird basically her friend being like what do, like what do you do and the other girl's like it's like shaking hands with your friend but it's real fast <laughs> Shaking hands with your friend, but faster, I think, is the implication. <laughs> yes. Oof. I laughed so hard at that one. Um, Yeah, so then Julie comes in, and he pops out of the shower, and she's just like, oh, you're here, and not, what are you doing in the bathroom? Oh, he doesn't say, oh, you're here. He says, don't be afraid. <laughs> Which is the scariest thing you could say to someone. Um, it gave me real uh, Twilight vibes. It's so very Twilight. Just all of the creepy things that um, Edward Cullen says in the Twilight movies yeah. that feel like really weird and stupid. And Bella just like smiling and being like, yeah, yeah. I'm into this. And that kind of happened here too. Although she yeah. seemed like kind of skeptical at first. She's a little skeptical, but then she was, yeah, she hops out. She goes with them. Uh, Brings her worst friend to bring on an adventure. Oh, yes. Her stick-in-the-mud friend. Which friend was that? That was Stacy. Stacy. Yeah. Stacy hates everything. Stacy hates fun. Is not on board for any shenanigans. 
Um, or fun. Should have brought Lauren. Should have brought Lauren. She's Lauren on board. Lauren seemed really fun yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. And Stacy seemed really not fun the whole movie. Truly, they kidnap Stacy in this scene. They do. She does <laughs> not want to get in she the car. She does not like any of this. She does not like these boys. Uh-uh. She's, it's all grody. Um, and I don't know who says this, but I wrote down the phonetic spelling of, <laughs> I'm so sure... I think everyone says that. At some everyone point. says I'm so sure at some point. I'm so sure. I'm so sure. Um, it was my favorite. Um, but yeah, there's this real American graffiti grease sort of scene where he's driving around in his uh, convertible. It's Just, not actually a convertible. I thought they converted it in this scene. Is so, I wrong? Is he just yelling out the window at people? I think it was one of those weird movie car situations because I at one point thought it was a convertible. Yeah. Um, because you couldn't see the sides of the right. car on the inside. Yeah. But it had a roof still for oh, sure. I thought it was a soft top, and then they converted it, but it, I guess not. But it, in that case, it's even weirder because he's just cruising the streets and yelling of Hollywood, yelling out at people that he knows, and everyone knows him. Um, and he's just like chummy with all these weirdos and punks and in goth folks on the street um which is fine except that there's no punk music in this movie yeah <laughs> well, well, i need like i said should I think we, we talk about to... this here should we talk about the music yeah let's talk about the music so the music in this movie is so i i i should probably pull up the wikipedia article about this cuz there were some songs that like i think charted from the soundtrack as a result of this movie there's a lot of big songs in this um, um i'll stop the world and melt with you is heavily featured yeah um but it i so they talk a lot about how the music that each group of kids listens to is different but yes. as a person who was not alive during this time. I could not explain to you the differences in the nuance between the types of music. In no. fact, later on when we're at the prom, that lady who was at their prom seemed way more edgy than the music that was even playing in the Filthy McNasties Club, which yes. is the name of the club <laughs> in real life. Yes. <laughs> which is amazing. Which is our favorite. Um, I want to yeah, go to Filthy because McNasties. Because they go on in that, like, they go into Filthy McNasty's and, you know, Julie and Stacy are like, oh, my God, this this club is like so uh, hardcore and these people are all hardcore. And they are. And it does all, they look, look very hardcore. Yes. There's graffiti everywhere and it's people have gr- like mohawks. And- it looks like a gross punk bar and everyone is, you know, kitted out in, in their punk finest. But, yeah, it's this sort of like pop new wave feel which is fine but then he's going on about how like this is real music and their music has like no feel it has no he doesn't say soul but it's sort of like what he it's means. yeah that electro um, pop whatever yeah. yeah but then yeah when they're at the prom the the band that's playing which is like um i can't remember her name um it was it was like she looks cotton. like liza she, minnelli she, or um, <laughs> she looked like liz taylor but also but sounded like blondie um, she did sound a lot like Blondie. The, to the me. band's vibe was very Blondie. It was very sort of like Pat Benatar. It, it was yeah. It was, but it sounded the same as the the bar music. And they certainly looked more punk than the people who were in the band at the punk place. Yes. And this goes back to the conflict thing where I'm like, these I don't understand the difference between his friend. And we also don't see his life. We don't see his school. We don't see his parents. We don't see where he lives. And so all we have to go off of is Fred, his friend, and this 
bar that he takes her to. Um, and otherwise, it's hard to tell the difference between him and her friends, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, the weird. clothes are different. That's the only That's discernible it. thing. And yeah. then they talk different, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He swears a lot, and oh. she does not swear a lot until she starts hanging out with him more. Mm-hmm. And she definitely does all of the, like, totally gag me with a spin. Yes. Uh, all yeah. of the very California Valley Girl. Mm-hmm. It's the name of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff. Yeah, I mean, most of it was just, like, showing and not telling as far as, like, making it clear to us. Yes. With the lines. But the music, I don't understand. The, the music difference. was not a clear line. Um, but they go to this bar that they don't say it in the film, but we saw online was called Filthy McNasties. Yeah, they do Chef's not. Chef's Kiss. So, so let's talk a little bit about this club in real okay. life. Because it's uh, significant. It was called Filthy McNasties for like the 60s and 70s and the 80s. Um, it turns into, I think it's called the Central. Um, Probably right after this movie, right? It's either before or after. Again, we don't see the name, but I want to yeah. believe it was called Filthy McNasties at the time. Um, That's definitely the best name for yes. a place. Yeah. And then Johnny Depp buys it at some point in the 80s, and it becomes the Viper Room. Um, and unfortunately, 10 years after this movie came out, that's where River Phoenix OD'd. Um, so... Not the Viper Room. Not the Viper Room. So yeah, I don't know what happened to the Viper Room after that, but I, in my heart, it'll always be filthy McNasties. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the posters on the wall advertising bands that are coming up is for Animal Boner Detox. (laughs) Which I'm calling dibs on for my future band, Animal Boner Detox. I can't express how much I hope there's a real band. (laughs) Probably, right? Surely at some point. Surely those are real flyers on the if wall. If I Google Animal Boner Detox and I cannot find a band called that, I'm creating a band Is called Animal Boner Detox. Is it too late to change the name of our podcast? <laughs> The name of the podcast from this point forward is Animal Boner Detox, and Perfect. nobody will have any idea why. <laughs> it's a weird it's an obscure, the obscurest reference to... They haven't talked about animal boners at all! <laughs> it's because we're detoxing. Anyway, um, yeah, so they have a... Uh, Julie and Randy have a great night. They make out. They, you they know... They spend the whole night together, too. Yes. And we find out later... Stacey I... and Fred are there... <laughs> Oh, yeah, Stacey and Fred are there. Stacey does not have a good time the whole no. time. They're playing tag at one point, which I'm feeling now is, like, maybe not consensual tag. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, like, Muppets. Like, They're I don't just know. running around outside. Strange. And at the time that uh, Randy and uh, Julie are making out in the car, mm-hmm. and then the other two are just running around yeah. outside. Yeah. Stacy just screaming. Stacy, it was the worst night of Stacy's life. I think. I think you're right. She puts napkins down on the seat in filthy McMahon's. She tries to stuff napkins in her ear, which, like, as a as an old person who still goes to to shows, I sympathize with. <laughs> <laughs> I always go with my earplugs now. Um, yeah, so we they have a nice night. She doesn't get home until what looked like ten o'clock in the morning. Like it was full daylight when full he takes daylight her home. When, he gets home, when she gets home, and it she's was, not in trouble because her parents no. are cool hippies. They're doing yoga. They're having a chill morning, and they're like, "You're home. You're home." And they're like, "You can do whatever you want. You're your own person." But we worry about you, and we Healthy. just hope you're being responsible. Healthy relationship. 
Um, we get the driving lesson scene, which was my favorite. Oh, that was very funny. It was for some reason at this driving instruction session. I don't know. I can't see. She's know. telling him about what they she's have, hanging out with Randy. They put all four girl teenagers in the car with this old old driving instructor. Julia's driving. Trying to get them to look at the road. And, and Julia's not looking at the road at all. At all. At one point he finally just bails out of the car. Jumps out the door. <laughs> which is really funny. But it's just that exposition scene where she explains uh, how great her date was with Randy. Um, There's some, like, really good comedy that is, like, intentional yeah, comedy in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very fun. Um, we get... This is where we start. Because in the party, um, Susie pointed out this boy named Skip to her oh, stepmom. Oh, can we talk Beth. about the dating montage? Has that oh, happened yeah. yet? I don't know if that... I don't think it's happened yet, but we could talk about it. There's some really fun montages overall in this movie. Yes. But there was a montage that I didn't know was a montage until suddenly Nicolas Cage <laughs> is wearing a vest and no shirt. And then I was like, where does shirt go? And then you see he's wearing totally different clothes in the next shot. And I'm like, oh, this is a montage of different dates. <laughs> it was that cute because they were like, I'll stop the world mode with you's playing. And it was showing them going to different restaurants. And um, it was supposed to be, like, them dating over weeks, days, whatever. However and um, I think they're spending, like, just all their time together, like, every day. But for... <laughs> it wasn't super clear at first that's what was going on. So, yes, I was like, why are they going to so many restaurants in one night? And, and then, then Brittany was like, shirt? where's his shirt? <laughs> I thought he just lost his shirt at some point on their one date. He's crazy. You never this know. This crazy guy. <laughs> um... So, yeah, they have that. That's very cute. Um, but then there's this weird... Okay, so Beth... Yeah, Susie points out this boy Skip. She has a crush on. Stepmom Beth is like, he is cute. So he, like, is the grocery delivery boy. And he brings groceries to to Beth when she's hanging out by the pool. And she tries to pull a, like, Mrs. Robinson on him. Uh, and it's not clear to us in the scene whether he, because he does seem sort of like awkward and into her. It's a very awkward scene. And it's not clear whether he doesn't want to sleep with her or if he's just dumb. Yeah, I was very unclear on if he was just oblivious teenage boy and not realizing that she's laying it on thicker than anybody has <laughs> ever laid it on before, or if... He was not interested in trying yes. to escape. Because he does say, at one point, she's like, and what do you, like, what do you want? Why are you here? And he was like, well, I did take this house on purpose. I did deliver no groceries. no mistake that I'm the one delivering yes. these groceries. But, which is a fairly ambiguous statement, because then she's like, what, do, do you want to go inside? And he's like, oh, I have more deliveries to make. And we're like, is this little himbo... Does he know what's going on? What's going on? So anyway, that's it for that. For now, we just leave that. Um, and then we we have we we have the girls trying on the stepmom sexy clothes, which we both didn't. I just not not a fan. <laughs> I, why would why? you, as a sixteen seventeen year old, if you found your mom's lingerie? Be like, ooh, this is cute. Let me try this on. Or your friend's mom's lingerie. Or your friend's mom's lingerie. Listeners, I feel like... write in. <laughs> Have you ever tried on your mom's lingerie? Um, your secret's safe with us. So yeah, they, another <laughs> scene where they're just talking about boys. In this scene, we do get Julie like straight up. They're like, what about Tommy? Like You like Randy, but what about Tommy? And she's like, fuck Tommy. Which... Is the right opinion. Is absolutely uh, what she should say. 
Um, but then we have this and other. All, <gasps> she said, "Fuck." Oh my god. Oh, actually, what they do is they say, "Oh, fuck, Tommy, you want us to fuck oh, Tommy?" Yeah. That was actually kind yeah, of that was that pretty. Was, that was, was very teenager. Funny. I was yeah. like, "Yeah, this is right." Um, and then we get the resolution of the subplot with Susie Skip and the stepmom, which is like Skip comes over. Let's himself into the house. Someone's showering upstairs, and it's in the bathroom off the parents' bedroom. I thought, and so we see because you can was see. Was it the same bathroom that we saw at the party earlier? Yes. Maybe they only have that one bathroom. Poor planning for a house. Poor planning for a house Absolutely. for sure. But like, maybe it is the only bathroom. It's the only bathroom because you see a woman's naked silhouette. Through this frosted glass, because as we pointed Proving out to earlier, us, you can totally see through this frosted glass. You could have glass. seen the cage in there, um, and so we see Skip look in there and be like, "This is it." But we're like, "Wait, is that the stepmom?" I thought it was gonna be Lyle. Lyle. It should have been Lyle. That was a missed opportunity. So yeah, we see. Then we get like the oh, ending the of that story is just that it's Lyle and he gets chased up. <laughs> Wait, what if the ending of the story is that him and Lyle hook up? That. That would have been a twist. <laughs> it would have fit the song from prom, which is "Are You Queer, Johnny?" Johnny? Are you queer? <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, it's Susie. Stepmom walks in and, on Susie and Step Skip having sex. Uh, that's it. That's that subplot. It's super weird, and he is into her, and it's fine. And the mom walks in on the mom it walks, too. She's disappointed, which is very upsetting for yeah. her. Yeah. Which she so, was totally trying to have sex with this high school yeah. guy. So Skip was either just into Susie or was an equal opportunity. I mean, teenage boy. <laughs> yeah. How uh, do you think he closes the deal with Susie? Do you think she just got God, out of the shower and was just, just like, <laughs> like, let's go? I'm already nude. I like you to broke imagine. into our house. That's cool. He was just like. The door was unlocked like, while she was in the shower. And she's like, is that you, Skip? And then they, I don't know. It's... And then they have sex in her mom's bed. Yeah. That seems like a step too far. Yeah. That's, you go to your own This story bed. should have been the movie because it's wild. It is wild. I think <laughs> maybe the story shouldn't have been in the movie. I think... I think we could have cut this whole thing out. <laughs> it served no purpose. Like maybe the B plot could have been something more fun with the maybe parents. Maybe the B plot could have been Lauren. The B plot should have been Lauren. You're absolutely right. Improving her life and finding a nice boy. Um, so yeah, we get this scene then where Julie talks to her dad about Randy and she's kind of like, everyone doesn't like, my friends don't like Randy because he is, you know, I don't even, he's not even poor. It's just because he's like punk, I guess. Yeah. And the dad is he like, hangs out do in you like places. him? And she's like, yeah. And then he's, you know, be with him. Um, and this is where I wrote, I don't, there's no conflict. There's, Her friends seemed, just suck. It seemed very clear that she wanted to be with Randy. She said it with so much confidence when her dad's like, do you like Randy? And she's like, yes. Yeah. I like Randy. I like Randy. I don't like Tommy. But her friends are like, well, you can't be with Randy. <laughs> Yeah, there's the whole thing of, we, like, totally nominated her for the class representative, and now I don't even know if she's going to do that. He's filling her hair with air, and, you know. Do you think by class... Oh, there was a really funny moment when the girls are talking. Not, like, funny, like, haha, but uh, when the girls are talking to Tommy and trying to ask, like, feel Tommy out to be like, would you get back with with, uh, Julie again? And um, he says... uh, he says this could scar. This guy could scar her for life. 
Like, Tommy, you already Tommy, probably scarred her for you life. You scarred me for life. Tommy has scarred me for your life. Your part in your hair has scarred me for life. Um, yeah, so she she decides to get back with Tommy and to break up with Randy but for that, some reason. This made me, this bummed me out because she didn't even break up with Randy before getting back together with Tommy, and that was really sad. Yeah, so he gives her, her his weird, chunky bracelet, and then Randy shows and up to the house. And then eats her being, entire rest of her hamburger. Yeah. And then she's just like back at the house, and Randy shows up. It's really cute, and she's mean to him. Yeah, she's like, "Why didn't you?" She's like, "You didn't tell me you were coming over." And he was like, "I just stopped by to say it. I love you." And then he's just like, like, "Gonna leave." Well, you could have called first. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, I got this dime in my pocket. I'll go down to the payphone and I'll give you a call." And it was kind of smooth. It's really cute. And then she's like crying and so this is. I read that this scene they had to keep reshooting it because it wasn't convincing because they had like they were both like Mm -hmm. in crush with each other like they both liked each other and so she wasn't very convincing when she was breaking up with him and so the director had to pull her aside and be like just think back to other breakups you've had and pretend it's that because this is not working (laughs) which i think is adorable that is really cute Um, it was it was really sad though yes and he like tries to like push the door in and he's all i just wanted to tell you i love you and it was it was really yeah oh but then it kind of uh he backs away and does the (laughs) he's like making fun of her he does, like, make fun of her throughout this entire movie. He does movie. neg her. He negs her a little bit. Because like, he negs her in the club a little bit when yeah. he's talking about, like, your music isn't real and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. And he's like, so when are we hanging out again? Yeah. <laughs> it w- I would say that he he's less creepy and, like... He's better than Tommy, for sure. But I would say that most 80s movies, the dudes either, like, neg really hard or really creepy in some way. And I would say that, like, compared to most 80s rom-coms, he's a little bit less problematic. Yeah. But it's still... I mean, he's still <sighs> hid in the bathroom and watched a bunch of people yeah. in the bathroom The bar is so low in the 80s. The bar is very low in the so 80s. So low. This was not as bad as, like, Freaks and Geeks or... Or, uh... Animal House. Or... Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, um... Sixteen the... Candles has some pretty bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's no every eighties every eighties like, movie classic. is kind of a catastrophe in terms of like making women yes people and we do get some of that here because we have okay well first uh, Randy's so upset that he runs off and gets drunk mm-hmm. and this is I would I said out loud we haven't had much like cagey cage in this film like he's very like he's just doing the rom com like dream boy thing in this film um, he's playing a very straight. And then when he's drunk, he goes he goes cage, and he's just really strange and big, and it was great. <laughs> it was great. I didn't I was think like, it was too much. Are. I felt like in context it made sense. No, but it was like a peak. It was a peak of what to come. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated it. Um, I wrote, "Oh, this is the cage I know and love." Um, yeah. And then we have Samantha. Who for some reason is the girl on the poster for this film and not Julie, but she and uh, she was very assertive. Yes, she was. She was apparently like she. I think was definitely his ex girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. And she said, "I haven't been coming around looking for you for two months. You mm-hmm. ready to get back together or something along those lines?" Yes, and she. I mean, her vibe. She had a bowler shirt and opera gloves. Mm-hmm. It was quite a look, and she pulled it off. 
Um, so they go and have sex in the grimiest bathroom. In <laughs> Very grimy. It was. These two ladies wander in at some point, and <laughs> they're gonna have a smoke in the bathroom, and then they make eye contact with Nicolas Cage, and they walk out. <laughs> yes, they weren't, and the vibe. They were not. They were not surprised. Surprised. They, they were, were just not disappointed. Perturbed. They were just like. No, it this felt is like happening. I said. It felt like there were two lesbians who went into this bar and were like, "Oh God, this is a straight couple having sex in here again. Let's go smoke outside." Um, yeah, so they, he has sex with this girl, tries to pick a fight with, uh, some Latin kings in a <laughs> That was the, the impression that I had was that this was definitely, like... It was supposed to be, like, a Hispanic like a street gang. gang. Yes. And they stop the car and are ready to, to beat the he shit out of He walks out with, him. like, a cane yes. or something that he whacks against the car. Uh-huh. And thank God Fred... Fred, who's been absent... Yeah, there should have been more Fred in this should've. movie. That's my, yep, number one. Should have been had more, Fred, more Fred, more Lauren. Um, Fred, and Fred and Lauren should have gotten together. They should have gotten together. I was, the whole movie, they don't even speak to each other the whole movie. No. I want an epilogue. Um, so yeah, he shows up, talks some sense into uh, Randy. Randy's thrown up in the alley and he's like, you gotta do some like crazy romantic shit to so, get her back. Do you think Nicolas Cage made those throwing up sounds, or do you think they were dubbed in later? Oh, he made those. Yeah? I think so. So, the throwing up was not very realistic to me. No. But no. he does turn it's... and go... <laughs> <laughs> I No, the reason... Because like I was times. recently doing this production where we were trying to teach uh, an actress how to gag. Okay. And it was very funny because she couldn't do it. And everyone else is trying to help, so it's just a room of people going... <laughs> Like, doing the noises, and then that's why I'm like, I think he made those noises, because it sounded like what you would do on, like, a stage show for if yeah. you're throwing up, and you're just like, in the corner, That, but it wasn't a convincing, the acting itself didn't, he's just turning, making the noise, and turning back. He was turning, making the noise, and turning back, he was way too close to the wall for it not to be all over him. Should have been all result. over him. Too clean. His mouth wasn't all slobbery. Mm-hmm. It should have been slobberier. <laughs> These are my Nicolas Cage notes. We want realism. More slobber, <laughs> more vomit all over the front Where's of the shirt. Where's the bile? I was really worried because this is Fred, like, giving him a pep talk. Like, you like this girl, right? You gotta go and do something romantic. And I'm like, but not right now. He's no. a mess. Clean yourself he's up. He's just been throwing up and he's totally drunk. And I was really yeah. worried that he was gonna go and do something right then and there. Which and- seems like what would have happened in real life, if I'm being honest. Yes. But it would be a bad idea. To be fair... His attempts were not great. Oh, I loved his attempts. They were my oh, favorite part of the movie. Oh, they were very funny. It was a very funny montage. We get another montage of him just, I guess, like, he got jobs at every place that she goes. <laughs> yes. That was, either he is some sort of secret agent that just steals costumes. In disguises. In disguises. And she recognizes him, but no one else does. It's so good. Because and like, first he just, like, slides into a car that she's in and tries to talk her into being with yeah, him. Yeah, that was and a little aggressive. it was just aggressive. sort of that aggressive was a good and creepy. Thing. But then he's just like, they go to the movies. And he's the ticket taker he's the and he's ticket wearing guy. 3D glasses. And he's, Tommy's like, oh, is this movie in 3D? And he's like, no, but your face is. <laughs> Which is a good, good, good comeback. Good. What was that? That was my favorite. Almost no, my, my favorite. favorite was the next, <laughs> the next one. The next one. The next one we should have rewound and watched again because he was the waiter at the drive in. It's like a sock, like one of those where, uh, you stay in your car and they come out to you and he comes out 
in in the full uniform and some crazy glasses and delivers their food, gives it to Tommy. Again, Tommy doesn't recognize him. And I couldn't tell you what... Oh, he puts, like... He spills, like, the uh, Tommy's fries into his drink or something. And Tommy's like, hey, man, you messed this up. And this, Randy's <laughs> response is to just, like say the like that was the most Nicolas Cage moment in the movie that was was not in the script no I I don't know that it wasn't in the script but it felt like it couldn't have possibly been he just like delivers the The Peter Piper uh, tongue twister he does like the Peter Piper but he calls him like fish face or something he also does that Yes, and, and then I he tried... accidentally spits his gum out at it, into his lap. I know it was and a then lot. He grabs it and yes. puts it back in his mouth. How you doing down there? Oh, it appears as though you uh, forgot a French fries and a Coke. Fish head. Oh uh, well, Peter Piper picked a pepper. I guess I did. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, he does that. Doesn't work. She still hasn't made up with him. Um, they go to the, she goes to the prom with Tommy. And her parents get high in the bathroom. So Tommy, or not Tommy, uh, Randy and Fred. Yes. Uh, Nick Cage and his friend are talking, and Randy is telling him that he's got a... He says, the things you're doing aren't working. Yeah. And he's like, I got a plan. And mm-hmm. I thought that the plan was going to maybe involve Randy being the one who picks her up for prom instead of Tommy yes. and beating him. Because when I saw Randy get out of the car for a second, I thought... When I saw Tommy get out of the car for a second, I thought it was Randy. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that would have been a good plan. That would have been a great plan. Instead... Just, like, come and get... We get a very half-assed plan. <laughs> yeah. Which is just... Randy and Fred show up at the prom and just sort of spy on everyone for a while. And then when Tommy and Julie are being crowned uh, homecoming king and... No, prom king and queen. Oh, man, that speech. <laughs> the, uh, she was going through it. She um, was going through it. The teacher who's talking yeah. about the king and queen yeah. gives the longest speech of all time. Which about- is like, obviously, it was a, a choice so that they could do this stuff backstage. But what it ends up is- being... <laughs> A king. And what is a queen? <laughs> I wanted to be the queen of my high school. Oh, no. Is it? Is it the girl who dates the football uh, captain of the football team? I think not. Is it the boy who dates the head of the cheerleading squad? I think not. Is it the person who has the best clothes? No. <laughs> it is. It just goes on and on. Who represents the school and the spirit? And it was. Oh man, this woman was doing Shakespeare on this stage. Um, so that she backstage also, we could have this little fight happen. She really gave me. Um, uh, oh, what's the actress's name who plays, um, uh, like the matriarch in The Sopranos? award-winning actress. Yep, I can picture her. That's who she reminded me of. Her voice sounded oh. like her to me. But she was, like, much more sort of frumpy. Yeah, they frumped her up, for she sure. She was very frumpy, but yeah. her voice and her delivery mm-hmm. sounded like that actress to me. Yep. Um, yeah, so we backstage, you know, Tommy and Julie are standing there in their Burger King-looking crowns and waiting for this teacher to finish her monologue. And uh, Fred and Randy just show up and just beat up. They just start fighting. He gives, Tommy? Well, he does sucker punch Tommy kind of in the same way that Tommy sucker punched him at the party. Yeah. He's like, Fair I'm going to give you the chance that you didn't give me. And then he punches him. Yeah. Um, Good for him. Which was great. And they're fighting. And then you see, like, the curtain just, like, going, like, 
Um, Julie's just watching. She's every, just watching. She doesn't say anything. No, Julie does nothing. No, she's not. This is another weird Would thing. Would this win you over if you were like, uh, if there were sort of like two dudes fighting over you? And... Yeah, but there still should have been a moment where she makes the choice and is like, Tommy, I don't want to be with you. I feel you. like we do get that a little bit because we see Tommy try to kiss her at prom a bunch of times and every That's time she true. like dodges away from it's his face funny. like get he, away from me. It looks like he's trying to headbutt her because it's so clumsy but it's yeah very clumsy. She does, she's, she's not into it. She's it. not into it. Um, like it's obvious that she doesn't like Tommy for yes. like all Well I guess prom. we okay we do get the moment where they're running into the crowd. Tommy is running after them and she guacks Tommy. <laughs> She, she does. throws guacamole at his face. I thought she was that pieing is the, him. That, that's the decision moment yes. when she throws the giant thing of guac. Uh, yeah. You know, every think, prom has a giant bowl you of You know, like you guys had. A giant bowl of guac <laughs> and a tray of popcorn. Because then they start popcorn a food fight. Uh, Classic combo. Yes. <laughs> We've all dipped popcorn and guacamole <laughs> at, a, at a fancy party. Um, yeah, there's a food fight. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know that Julie says anything for the last, like, ten minutes of this film. No, I don't think she does. I don't think she speaks. I don't... So, the end of the movie is... It's just... It's just, uh, it's just the graduate. They get mm-hmm. in the back of the, the limo that Tommy had gotten. Yeah. And for some reason, the driver doesn't recognize the fact that it's not Tommy anymore. Yes, he doesn't recognize. He's just recognize... like, you guys, you kids having a good time? Are we going to the Sheraton, uh, <laughs> this the rooster, Sheraton Valley? <laughs> this rooster-looking motherfucker gets in the back of his thing, and he thinks it's that, like, squat, uh, Will buff, Forte buff. Will Forte-looking guy. And he's like, so we're still going to the hotel so you guys can bang? And they're like, yep. Uh, and that's the end of the film. And then I'll Stop the World and Melt With You is still playing. And bless him. I mean, an incredible, incredible film. Uh, yeah. What'd you think? Did you like oh, it? Yes. I mean, absolutely worth your time. Fluff, fun, sort of um, romantic comedy it's very silly uh like i said there's some issues with writing and structure and stuff but like you're not here for that um and it's really interesting to see nick cage playing this like um he's a hunk hunk yeah he's just like a hunk and the weirdest thing we see is like yeah the montage of him trying to break up tommy and julie which doesn't last very long um, so yeah, it's I would it's fun. recommend watching that part over and over again. Absolutely. There Just are several like, points where we had to stop the film because we were cackling. It was so good. Yeah. This movie was really funny. I really enjoyed it. Um, critics also, I would say this was fresh. Oh. Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is 83% for this movie. Oh. And the audience score is 72%. Interesting. Um, it's lower. It is lower, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's kind of weird, because it is kind of a fluffy rom-com, and I feel like usually critics come a little harder for those, Yeah. Um, and crit- audiences tend to like them better than the critics. I but, wonder... But both are, I think, technically fresh, according to Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Uh, I would say that, like, a B, uh, yeah, like a, a low B is, is where we're at with this film. Um, I wonder if the critic reviews they're basing it on are from when it came out, or, you know, like retrospect that's not something that i know 
Right. I don't but know. You'd have to like comb through the reviews I would have to on comb Rotten Tomatoes. Them a little bit. I'm just wondering but if people like, don't often review like actual critics. Yeah. Because I think all of the critic scores are verified mm-hmm. from actual newspaper type things. Yeah. Um, I would bet that it's probably contemporary with the movie. Mm-hmm. And maybe the audience because there's not that like, many critics like reviewing old movies. Right. So maybe the audience score is. Like, the audience score is probably changing based on like people this is, who have Rotten Tomatoes accounts. Right. And they're like, this is cheesy. Which it is. It is cheesy. Um, but I liked it. Yeah. I, I would say that was a solid movie. And I would recommend it. I haven't laughed that hard at a movie in a long time. Yeah. We scared B. We scared the cat. <laughs> um, there was a couple times I had like tears coming to my eyes. Specifically the two that we highlighted, which is the... <laughs> Look at that hunk, and then Nicolas Cage running like a Muppet down the beach. <laughs> and then also the in the montage where he's like in disguises. <laughs> That's really good. But yeah. I think I, I think that 83% is probably, you know, if it were not a rating, if it were, if I were rating the movie out of 100, I would give it like probably a solid B, like yeah. 85% or mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. The range. The range. The range of this man. Well, we haven't watched two movies that were even close to each other yet. I know. Well, that's the thing is, if you look so far at what we've done, we've got Willy's Wonderland, which is just like... A dumb horror Dumb, balls to the wall, weird... Horror comedy. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Pig, which was super serious and dramatic and, you know, understated. And then we had this film, which is like a cheesy, fun rom-com. And I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend, especially if you want a feel-good something to mm-hmm. watch. And again, like, I don't know, very few movies come close to having the amount of chemistry that I thought Julie and oh, Andy had. Yes. Well, that's, like I said, uh, dialogue is iffy at best, but they, I mean, the chemistry, when they are staring at each other in every scene, you're just like, I just want these two kids to make it. Um and like I said, Nicolas Cage uh, wrote poems to this woman and had a crush on her, and she had a crush on him. It's all very cute. Um, so yeah, go see it. All right. We had to rent it, so yeah. We did go have rent to rent it. it. Worth it's the four dollars. Worth four dollars. Worth four dollars for sure. Um, so it's time for inside the cage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, this week we are talking about a recent story. Uh, the headline is Jim Carrey wanted Nicolas Cage for Dumb and Dumber, but he chose leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> what a um, long headline. <laughs> uh, so this story is based on the fact that there was a rumor uh, that somebody posted on Twitter suggesting that the original uh, choices for the Dumb and Dumber movie were Gary Oldman and Nicolas Cage. Uh, And somebody brought this up to Nicolas Cage. And the Gary Oldman part is probably not true. But uh, Nicolas Cage did say in this quote, I know Jim wanted me to be in Dumb and Dumber with him, but I wanted to do a little movie called Leaving Las Vegas instead. (laughs) Uh, A little movie. Just a little movie called Leaving Las Vegas. Maybe you've heard of it. um, Which is, like, maybe the bitchiest way you could say it. I... Cackled. I was like, are you serious? Like, what a pretentious way to say that. For reference, if you didn't know, 
uh, Leaving Las Vegas is the movie that won Nicolas Cage his Academy Award, and uh, Dumb and Dumber was also a major box office success. So I feel like, you know, probably couldn't have gone wrong either way, although probably having the Oscar means a lot to Nicolas Cage would be my guess. Did Dumb and Dumber come out in the late 90s? Early 90s, I think. Early 90s. Oh, okay. Because I was trying to think of what Gary Oldman... I mean, that would have been He was doing all kinds of stuff. That would have been Dracula, right? The Fifth Element, Dracula... (laughs) Leaving Las Vegas came out in 95. Okay. So Dumb and Dumber probably also came out around 95. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Yeah. What would that... So, I have two questions for you. Yeah. Um, maybe I can roll it into one question. Would you rather watch Dumb and Dumber featuring Gary Oldman and Nicolas Cage, or would you rather watch Jim Carrey and Nicolas Cage in Dumb and Dumber? Oh. Okay, so I, as much as I would love to see Nicolas Cage and Jim Carrey just, I don't know, do what anything. they uh, do, whatever they're going to do together on screen, I think it would be very strange it's almost like too much energy. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot. And I think that if Gary Oldman and Nick Cage had done Dumb and Dumber, it would have been like really dark. <laughs> it, <laughs> it would have, have transformed a whole movie, right? Yeah, well, because also like Jim Carrey. Gary Oldman, like just, I mean, like Gary Oldman can be very outlandish. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, he's he also a very over the top, but I think of Gary Oldman as like a serious actor. Yes. Um, even and, though, like, a lot of his movies, he does play, like, a very silly kind of over-the-top character. Yeah. Like, when he's the bad guy in um, uh, the Bruce Willis... The Fifth Element. Fifth Element. Which like, would have come really out around the, the same time. Um, he's um, also pretty over-the-top. Oh, in, like, the, the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. It's so weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nicolas Cage should have been in that film. <laughs> Instead of Keanu Reeves. Instead of Keanu Reeves. Keanu yeah. Reeves is so miscast in that movie. It should have been no Nicolas Cage. No one knew Cage. what to do. <laughs> should have been Nicolas Cage. Oh, I man. I think Nicolas Cage would have been better my, than That's my vote. And I, for, re- like, I feel like it doesn't need to be stated, but maybe it needs to be stated. I love Keanu Reeves in pretty much everything that Keanu Reeves is in. Yes. Even when it's bad. Yes. There was um, just like a time in the early 90s where people didn't know what to do with Keanu Reeves because he was this big star in these action films, which was great. But then they would try to put him in these serious dramas in period films. He's not, he's a, not period a period actor. actor. Can he's... I talk a little bit for a second about how Devil's Advocate might be the finest movie that's ever been made? <laughs> So we're transitioning into a different podcast, uh, just talking about 90s films. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's very... But Keanu Reeves tries to do a southern accent. And, oh, he does. His southern accent is so uh, bad. Uh, Bless his heart. Oh, my God. Anyways. <laughs> his British accent is also very bad. Are you answering my question that you would rather see the Gary Oldman, Nicolas Cage version than yes. the Jim Carrey, Nicolas I, Cage yes. version? Yeah. I also think... Because, again, I think that Nicolas Cage... Or not... <laughs> <laughs> I think that Jim Carrey, um, he, he ad-libbed a lot in, in Nicholas Cage ad-libs a lot in a lot of things, too. Right, which makes me think, again, the, the, it the script would have been totally entirely different, different, too. It wouldn't have just been them reading the same lines. It would have been an entirely different film, and I do think it would be a lot darker and weirder. To have Gary Oldman and Nicolas Cage? Yeah. 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 It also would have been a lot... Like you were, you just said that Jim Carrey ad libs a lot of his lines, which I think is also true. Mm-hmm. 
do you think Gary Oldman would be the presence that would make it weirder and darker? Or do you think Nicolas Cage would be the presence that makes it weirder and darker? Because it might also be weirder and darker if it were just Nicolas Cage and Jim Carrey. But I think that at Although that Jim Carrey point, brings, like, goofy, chaotic energy, and Nicolas Cage brings, like, crazy, chaotic yeah. energy. <laughs> at that point in his career, Jim Carrey was really doing mostly, like, goofy, And, like, silly, almost like kids' movies. Almost like kids' movies. Um, and so I don't think he would have gone dark at that point. Um, yeah, and at this point, um, you know, like he, like we said, he did he did a little movie called Leaving Las oh, Vegas oh, instead. A movie called Leaving Las Vegas? But before this, it's kind of hard to tell just on glancing at my spreadsheet of Nicolas Cage movies. But Nicolas Cage was doing some zany stuff around this time that yes. would have been, like, definitely goofy. Mm-hmm. Um because right before this, he did, for example, um, like he had already done Raising Arizona at this point. Yeah. He had already done Moonstruck at this point. Those I are both, could... There was like a little bit of a gap of movies that I don't know anything about, honestly. I think... Okay. But I think he was trying out. to be a dramatic actor at this point, probably. Yeah. Ten years ago, I think if you had put Jim Carrey and Nicolas Cage in a movie together, it would have been perfect timing in both their careers. Because Jim Carrey was doing a lot more dark, dramatic stuff, and Nicolas Cage, at that point, I think, had just was doing whatever he, whatever do. he wanted. Um, whatever he could do. Whatever he could <laughs> whatever do. Whatever he was offered. Um, yeah, I guess ten, maybe 15 years ago. 15 years ago was kind of when he was, like, in big blockbusters. Yes. And it was, that was probably the most successful. And I think that's when, like, Jim Carrey was starting to do darker stuff. And so I think that would have been peak time for both of them to be in a film together. I would watch that film. Yes. But I think in the 90s, Jim Carrey wasn't there yet. And Nicolas Cage also kind of wasn't there yet. He was still mostly doing, like, action films and stuff. He does. He was about after leaving Las Vegas. He started doing his streak of action films and stuff. Okay. Before leaving Las Vegas, it when I was just looking at the spreadsheet just now, and again, I don't know a lot about a lot of these movies that were in. He was in right before that. We're gonna find out. It was a lot of dramas. (laughs) Yeah. Um. He was in the David Lynch one, which I'm super excited to see because I love David Lynch. Um. Anyways. So that's my vote. I, I think I. uh, agree with you that I want to see the Gary Oldman, Nicolas Cage, Dumb and Dumber. Yep. <laughs> Just saying it is so funny. Can you picture them in like the powder blue and the bright orange tuxes? I've been picturing them in the like van. With oh, the, with the dog. Oh. <laughs> yes. That's what I've been picturing when I've been talking about this. It's just the when they get pulled over by the cop. <laughs> I don't have good Photoshop skills, but I want to ask somebody to Photoshop me a picture of them in the Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I'll poster. send you. We'll send you a ten dollar gift card if you do. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the most we can offer, but you'll also get our appreciation. Yeah, we'll also love you forever. Yeah, um, yeah. So next week or next time we are doing Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Not moonlight. Not moonlighting. <laughs> Moonstruck. Yes. The which... uh, Cher Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah. Not too long after this film. Not too, too long. It was um, also the 80s. Yeah. It was uh, 87, so four years later. Yeah. And I I do like this film, so I'm excited. It's been a long time. I haven't seen it. This will be my first time, so I'm psyched about that, too. Always, always psyched about a new Nicolas Cage movie to watch. Anyways, we hope you enjoyed, and we will talk to you, not talk to you. 
how do we end a podcast? We'll talk to you later, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>